Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 10th, 2011. Newcomers, look into my site, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll see a bunch of other sites there. These are the official ones. They all carry the same audios for download and they carry transcripts of a lot of the talks too for print-up in English. If you want transcripts in other languages, you'll see alanwattsentinel.eu on the front page of the com site as well. So go in there for foreign transcripts. And uh, remember too that you are the audience who bring me to you every about well, five nights a week. And it's up to you to keep me going because I don't bring on the advertisers to sell you things. And um, I don't push uh, prosperity in the, the usual sort of ways that are pushed. It's a big business, of course, in, in the Patriot business. And it has to be because stations have to stay on the air. It costs them a fortune to broadcast. And the ads you do here on this show, remember, are paid by advertisers directly to RBN. And that puts out, that pays for my airtime. And I've got nothing to do with it. It's from one to the other. And uh, RBN uh, has to pay for their equipment, their staff, and their bills. And there's lots of bills. So you have to help me with mine too. And you can do so by, as I say, buying the books and discs, etc. I have for sale. Or a straight donation once in a while is awful surprising and awfully nice. Uh, and that way I can keep going independently and I can carry on conversations for a whole hour without having to really bring on guests, as they say, who are really there to sell you something. So support me if you can. It's up to you. As I say, from the U.S. to Canada, you can buy the books and so on by using personal check. You can use an international postal money order from your post office, or you can you can use PayPal if you want to purchase the books as well. Just use the PayPal button and followed up by an email with the name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you as fast as I can. Same across the rest of the world, with the addition of Western Union for direct wire transfer. You can also use uh, MoneyGram for the same thing, and MoneyGram also gives you the option of purchasing the check your side and uh, posting it off to me. It's a lot cheaper. And again, PayPal to order or donate. Just use a donation button and the appropriate amount of cash, and give me a, a separate email with your name, address, and order, and I'll send it right out to you. Some people just send cash as well, and that's still acceptable too. And on this show, as I say, we I've documented document a lot of the history of this world order, this socialist system, this to come into play, a, a world run by experts, of course. That's supposed to be the proper way of it, you see. Uh, and the brightest of the brightest have to rule over all the lessers, and that's been printed in many books, especially in eugenics and sociology, because all the top sociologists really uh, eugenicists as well. In fact, it's one and the same thing, really, including the ecology movement, because if you read the definition of uh, Sir uh, Charles Galton, who eventually married into the Darwin family, he said in the 1800s, when asked to define eugenics, he says it's a complete 
world, basically. It's everything. He said it's, uh, it's uh, the, the proper uh, breeds of people. Uh, and it's a proper selection of people who should go on to a future. And he says all wraps into sustainability on the planet and carrying capacity for the planet as well. So it's all rolled into one. So eugenicists have always been into this save the world idea, but it's to save it for themselves. They're terrified that the lesser types would outbreed the better types. And that was stated by his descendant, Sir Charles Galton Darwin, in the 1950s, the guy who worked on the Manhattan Project. They love to destroy things, especially lots of lesser peoples. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. And what does I say, what we do really here is chronicle events as they happen, uh, tell you what's coming up, because if you read their books, they tell you what's coming up in the future. You don't need a crystal ball for it. You don't need someone channeling the future to you. Uh, they publish what they want to do and where they want to take the world. You find it in lots of books in academia and the social sciences and so on as to the type of world that's already shaped to come in. And, of course, they're on board that way because they're told to be on board that way and do all the writings that way by the big grants from the big foundations which they receive every year because academia is completely on board with what they call the New World Order for progress and they have their own definition of progress. And, again, it's all to do with eugenics and how you take societies down, how you bring down the populations after they've dropped your taken down the cultures, destroyed the religions and all the rest of it that gave them culture. And even the value of life itself has to get has to go as well until they can go further and further and further and eventually euthanasia and all the rest of it. And you will see this in your lifetime where healthy people who are getting into retirement age will be encouraged to go and be euthanized. This is going to happen in your lifetime because they're not economically viable then, you see. And it's all to do with economics and sustainability, etc., etc. And so much food to go around the world suddenly, all of a sudden, now that the five, five agribusinesses have bought up the whole farming supply of the world. Uh, that's why it's all coming together now. Nothing happens by itself. Nothing at all. And this took the collusion of all governments on board after, after they signed agreements with the United Nations in San Francisco at the end of World War II because they said eventually that all the food supply would go via the United Nations Agriculture Department and be distributed to different regions across the world. And this is the phase we're coming up into now. That's why all the hype about, oh, there's not going to be enough food, as your governments have been putting farmers out of business for the last, last 50 years, mainly with, with um, fines and penalties and various other uh, nasty things to get them off the land. But... In this eugenical world where there are superior people and uh, helpers, there's a middle type, and then there's a, what they call the lower types, the ones who never went to universities and so on. The ones that at one time would staff the factories that are now in China, again, thanks to your governments, uh, then they've all to go eventually. Uh, and Mr. Rockefeller said at one of his meetings not so long ago, 
at the Lucky Gene Club, the ones that, uh, that uh, Oprah and all the, the Bill Gates attends, uh, they, they want rapid de- uh, depopulation. It's not good enough to, to just go around the world giving women's health, which means abortion and sterilization. They, they want rapid depopulation. That means of people who are already here. Not prevention, but we're already here. And they mean what they say. That's happening too because since the 1950s, um, after they had the meeting with the, the king, actually it was of England, at the end of World War II, uh, who called a global meeting about overpopulation that would come up. They were terrified of baby boomers, you see, from the World War II on, uh, so they said in a way. And they, they said it would be unsustainable to have so many elderly people. So they came along with the flu, with the, um, polio vaccine, thanks to Dr. Salk. Salk, who was one of the heads of the eugenic society, by the way, who wanted to also rapidly depopulate, suddenly became the hero and gave us all polio vaccines, which they admitted later were all contaminated with the simian 40 virus, whose only purpose really um, was to give people cancers. And now cancer is normal. So they've been at it for a long, long time. And, you, and they'll never come out and tell you this was deliberate. Um, uh, they'll, t- they'll go around, they'll talk around it, and there's old videos of Salk and his staff talking about it, but they'll never tell you it's deliberately put in there to bring down the population. That's the beauty of this system. The average Joe in the street will refuse to believe something unless they get a confession from the devil himself, which never happens. Same with 9-11. They'll never see the big boys in the U.S. saying, yes, we did it. Uh, that will never happen, although all the evidence points to it. So and it's tough luck for those who can't use their own heads and uh, put two and two together for themselves. But we live in a, a, a tiered society, and they said long ago that all those who deserve to go on into the future had, had achieved a high status, held on to wealth, achieved it, held on to it, and it hadn't been squandered by inferior progeny, meaning they were the better breeders, and really mated up through, for marriage through, uh, from families who'd also succeeded. That's all royalties and upper aristocracies, etc., of all the countries. And this was stated quite openly in eugenical societies' books at the time, and their magazines as well, which meant that all the ones down below, we could only keep on churning out factory-type IQs and they wouldn't need them in a future where they'd already planned to give China factories as far back as the 1930s in the Council of Foreign Relations' own writings. Anyway, we're living through a script, as I say, and nothing happens in any scale today, including the wars that wasn't written long ago and planned long ago. When the Internet came out, of course, and they, they gave special rights, exclusive rights to secrecy to protect all VIPs. And I read an article at the time years ago on the air about that. They're all family and others got these special privileges and all the important people, the ones who do all the dirty stuff and have meetings where they talk dirty stuff about killing us all off and all that kind of stuff. They have to have all their stuff guarded very, very quiet, very, very top secretly. And you'll never find anybody coming out hacking them for some strange reason. But anyway, um, here's an article here that has even more special rights to protect them. And this is from the Independent. And it says here that um, it says, um, there are all families to be granted absolute protection from public scrutiny. 
in a controversial legal reform designed to draw a veil of secrecy over the affairs of the Queen. I wonder if we can have affairs to talk about. I never thought of her as having affairs. Anyway, Prince Charles and Prince William. They're all families to be granted absolute protection from public scrutiny and uh, under, in a controversial legal reform designed to draw a veil of secrecy over the affairs of the Queen, Prince Charles and William. Letters, emails and documents relating to the monarch, her heir and the second in line to the throne will no longer be disclosed, even if they are in the public interest. Now there's transparency for you. Sweeping changes to the Freedom of Information Act will reverse advances which uh, had briefly shone a light on the royal families, including an attempt by the Queen to use a state poverty fund to heat Buckingham Palace. And that's no, that's no joke, you know, she wanted to use the taxpayers' money that was meant to go to the poor, the ones that are dying by the thousands right now in Britain because they can't afford the heating. She wanted to use that for, to heat her palace and claim, claim the Poverty Act. And I read it on the air at the time too. And which had threatened to force the disclosure of the Prince of Wales' prolific correspondence with ministers. It says lobbying and correspondence from junior staff working for the royal household and Prince Charles will now be held back from disclosure. Buckingham Palace confirmed that it consulted with the coalition government over the change in the law. The government buried the plan added, and added protection for the royal family in the small print of plans called opening up public bodies to public scrutiny. So I guess they buried it. Maurice Frankel, head of the Campaign for Freedom of Information, said that since the change referred to communications written on behalf of Queen and Prince Charles, it might be possible for park keepers working in royal parks to be spared public scrutiny of their letters written to local authorities too. The decision to push through the changes also raises questions about the sincerity of the Liberal Democrats or the sincerity of politicians. Who's kidding? Who? I shall forget that one. I won't even read this, this little part. Since when have politicians ever been sincere? They're paid liars, for goodness sake. Ian Davison, a former member of Parliament's Public Accounts Committee, told the Independent, I'm astonished that government could, should uh, find time to seek to cover up royal finances. Why would he be astonished? Hmm. When I was on the PAC, we wanted uh, more disclosure, not less. Yeah, sure, until they're in. Every time we exa- examined royal finances, we found extravagance and indulgence as well as abuse of expenses by junior royals. Well, that's what spoiled little boys do. They blow money, and uh, they have plenty to blow. And they've also got investments all over the planet, which, again, are no, never go through any taxation books, and, and so on, and so on, and so on. But that's the rubbish they feed the public to make us all upset about it. But there's nothing at all new in it whatsoever. The press, you know, have to recycle news or make it up because... Nothing's new under the sun, nothing at all to, to do with these people. Now, Press TV here has an article on uh, basically how the Patriot Act is like the Nazi law. I doubt it's also like the Stasi law and like the Soviet law because they're all the same. Under the Soviet regime, uh, it was all under um, a counter-revolutionary activity, which were under terrorism. And the Stasi too were over terrorists all the time. So they're all the same, you know, and they're all socialists, by the way. But anyway, it says here, um, it says, uh, the Patriot Act was similar to legislation carried out by the Nazis because essentially it was using terrorism in both cases as an excuse to strip civil liberties that were enjoyed in both countries. In the United States and Germany, Philip Giraldi said 
in an interview with Press TV, and he's an ex-CIA official. Governments have been willing to use fear, such as fear of terrorism and fear of the enemy, as a way to get the people lined up in support of government policies. Very often these policies are essentially bad for the people because they take away many of their rights, the former CIA officer said. And a standard procedure too, they've been doing this for an awful long time. You see, he went on to say that the relationship between American citizens and the U.S. government has changed for the worse since the introduction of the Patriot Act, adding that Americans had not become any safer by their rights being stripped away. And that's true. If you have no rights, you're not safe. I mean, can't you see that, you know? It's, it's amazing how the, the, the wording is. A change in a word can just alter your perception to the opposite side. Just like that. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the Matrix, reading an article about the effects of the Patriot Act. And it's so amazing too. I remember when it was pushed through by Bush, Bush Jr. And um, he said it would be unpatriotic for any of the representatives to actually read it. Uh, and I think only two or three of them even, even bothered to read them. Uh, everyone else just like trained little seals. That's all they are. You see, they want to get the ladder, did what they were told and didn't read it to this big, massive omnibus bill. But it says here, and that was on the cards long ago, because they had to bring in 9-11, they had to make it happen to make this whole new world order really get on a a rampage. Now it says here, they have no rights anymore, or less rights and so on, we're not any safer, as I say, you can't be safe with no rights. The US Patriot Act and desecration of the Constitution has brought a dictatorship surveillance society of phone tapping, hidden cameras and policy uh, brutality in the United States, Geraldi said. The act, which was hastily adopted six weeks after the 2001 terrorist attacks, it was hastily adopted, but it was written up years before, allows the U.S. government to spy on its citizens without the need for a court order. In February 2010, the House of Representatives and the Senate approved the extension of the Bush-era bill and sent it to President Obama, who thereby signed the legislation into law. And of course it did, because it's, it's a new day, uh, same shit, you know, new boss. It's the same old thing, guys working for the same banks, as you well saw with the bailouts and so on. Nothing changes under the sun. But, as I say, this technique of terrorism, terrorism everywhere, has been used down through the ages to strip rights away from the public and give uh, brutal force, brutal force and rights to those who rule over you. And from the royal family getting special secrecy and all all our correspondence and all the rest of it, uh, here's Obama with the U.S. citizens. Obama's eyeing Internet ID for Americans and from CBS News. uh, President Obama is planning to hand the U.S. Commerce Department authority over a forthcoming cybersecurity effort to create an Internet ID for Americans. That's all Americans. Well, not from them all. There'll be special ones there, too, who are exempt. Uh, and a White House official said, said today, it's the absolute perfect spot in the U.S. government to centralize efforts towards creating an identity ecosystem. All of their terms, eh? they bring little now, now familiar words, which are still very vague in most vague, vague people's minds, 
and they, they tack it on, the marketers tack it on. Identity ecosystem for the internet, maybe to stop all the pollution. White House Cybersecurity Coordinator Howard Schmidt said, The news first reported by CNET effectively pushes the department to the forefront of the issue, beating out other potential candidates, including the National Security Agency and Department of Homeland Security. The move also is likely to please privacy and civil liberties groups that have raised concerns in the past over the dual roles of police and intelligence agencies. The announcement came at the event today at the Stanford Institute for Economic Policy Research, where U.S. Commerce Secretary Gary Locke and Schmidt spoke. The Obama administration is currently drafting what's called the National Strategy for Trusted Identities in Cyberspace, which Locke said will be released by the President in the next few months. An early version was publicly released last summer. We're not talking about a national ID card, Locke said at the Sanford event. We're not, we're not talking about a government-controlled system. Oh, no, no. What we're talking about is enhancing online security and privacy. There's a PR liar, eh? Well, we're enhancing it all, yeah, and, and reducing and perhaps even eliminating the need to memorize a dozen passwords through creation and use of more trusted digital identities. Oh, it's to help us all. The Commerce Department will be setting up a national program office to work on the project. It's probably all up and running already. Details about the Trusted Identity Project are remarkably scarce. Last year's announcement referenced a possible forthcoming smart card or digital certificate that would prove that online users are who they say they are. These digital IDs will be offered to consumers, offered uh, by online vendors for financial transactions. Schmidt stressed today that anonymity and pseudonymity will remain possible on the Internet. Oh, really, give us a a break. I don't have to get a, a credential if I don't want to, he said. There's no chance that a centralized database will emerge. Oh, God, this guy is good. Eh? And we need the private sector to lead the implementation of this. And that's right. They'll just make it impossible for you not to get one because you can't do anything without it, you see. Uh, Jim Dempsey of the Center for Democracy and Technology spoke later at the event, said any Internet ID must be created by the private sector and also voluntary and competitive. You know, everything comes in by the private sector and is always voluntary. The driving license was voluntary at first, you know. And once enough folk were on it, it says, well, since 60% are now taking it, we're going to make it mandatory. Car insurance was voluntary in the beginning, too. Same thing. That's how the, this is a con on the public, even the way it's worded here. And, of course, we know that the big, uh, the big corporations work with government. In fact, we're in a, a fascist, socio-fascist state. Socialism is fascism. It's one and the same thing. Mussolini was called the first real fascist, and yet he was in charge of the Italian national paper for the Socialist Party. He was editor. The government cannot create that identity infrastructure, Dempsey said. If it tried to, it wouldn't be trusted. So so we'll give you ones that are trusted. eh? (laughs) Interagency rivalries to claim authority over cybersecurity have existed ever since many responsibilities were centralized in the Department of Homeland Security as part of its creation nine years ago. Three years ago, proposals were circulating in Washington to transfer authority to the secretive NSA, which is part of the U.S. Defense Department. Well, they already know who everybody is anyway. So, as I say, we're going all the way to national ID cards, and it'll be for your Internet and everything else, too. Of course it will. Of course it will. It's all for enhancing it all for you. Back with more after this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. I've talked ad nauseum, really, about the system and how it was set up a long time ago. They were talking about depopulation, as I say, as far back as Malthus. They, they did it in the French Revolution. They didn't just kill off the aristocracy. They also had plans to depopulate various parts of rural areas, and they did. They would take whole bunches of peasants uh, who they claimed were surplus and inferior too, by the way. It's amazing how the same system carries on, regardless, under different names. And they put them in barges and so on, and they sunk them and drowned them and did other things too to get rid of them. Very old agenda, this, and we're still going through it. And, it's, of course, it's gained momentum. And those guys who said that they would be masters over the masters of the world and the various societies by accumulating the wealth and then creating foundations, you know, philanthropies that would help us along are in charge of it all because they run the big banks now. And they, run, they are, in fact, the big bankers and have been for a few centuries. But anyway, the part of their, their, their job was also to destroy all forms of existing government to bring in the rational government, the one where scientists and the educated elites would rule you in the proper way. Because, as they say from ancient times, that God left everything imperfect, and their job was perfect, to perfect that which was left imperfect. And that's not kidding. That's not kidding. That goes back way back to the, the Gnostic times and before. And um, here they are. We're living through the big change. They've been behind the big wars too, which they had to get along to say how stupid man is. Look at that. Even, even though they brought them on to make it all happen. And then they point at you and say, you silly people, look what happened. We have to do things about that. So give up your sovereignties. We'll bring, we'll bring in the United Nations and rule you that way. And so on and so on it goes. Uh, they, they blow up towers and things and blame on whoever they want to uh, to get uh, to, to kick off their big new world order part and to strip your rights off you too. And they're already putting up cameras in Britain and elsewhere before 9-11 happened because they already had it under the... They knew what was coming along and they want the surveillance society, a society where you can't breathe, buy anything whatsoever under any kind of transaction without, without them knowing about it. They want to know everything about you. What do you think total information society means? Remember Bush said that? It's, it's to be the total information. Total means complete, total, total, right? And they also had to destroy all existing religions. Well, at least the ones were causing them problems. And Christianity had to go, and that's been turned on its head and, until it's unrecognizable in the last, oh, hundred odd years, especially in America. It's pretty well absent across Europe, except a few locales. And um, he's an article here that ties in with this. And women had to be liberated too from the from the, 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 the shackles, from the kitchen and all that stuff, where they, they had a, a terrible life while the men just walked about in lace pants and stuff like that. In reality, they were down mines and in the fields and living anything but a pleasant life. But anyway, they can always distort history for a good agenda, and no lie is low enough. So here's the why the WYCA, Young Women's Christian Association, drops the word Christian from its historic name to call itself Platform 51. 
Platform 51, it's called now. And it's from the Mail Online. One of the country's best-known charities has changed its name, losing the clearest link to its Christian roots. The Young Women's Christian Association has dropped its historic title after 156 years because it no longer stands for who we are. Instead, the organization, which is mainly funded by legacies left by Christian supporters, that means cash, uh, over 15 decades, will be known as Platform 51. It sounds like a dance club, doesn't it? Shaking off old image, young woman in 1918 shows you a picture here, how to make pies at the WYCA. Well, that's, that's terrible, making pies, for goodness, learn how to feed people. Uh, I've heard women, when they were going through the radical feminism, say they'd never cook for a man. They're being told that was demeaning. Now when they don't cook for themselves, they want to eat out. They're, they've all had it when the restaurants close. They've had it. They can't even feed themselves. And... Um, it says, uh, we've got a brand new start. Former body shop manager Penny Newman is the new chief executive of Platform 51. I wonder if they give all those Christian people their money back. I don't think so somehow. Bosses says the name was chosen to reflect the fact that 51% of women uh, or people are female and that they can use charity as a platform to have their say and to move to the next stage of their lives. What the next stage will be? Decision to, I wonder if it be transhumanism or something, to drop all mention of Christianity from the charity's name and proposes uh, drew criticism from religious groups yesterday. It also appeared to open a rift between the renamed grouping in England and Wales and the worldwide WYCA that grew, that grew after the charity founded by two Englishmen in 1855. Officials, officials at the World YWCA headquarters at Geneva said, none of the 124 branches in other countries are changing their names. I, I will add yet. Um, it says the name's been there for more than 150 years and we're not even discussing it, says spokesman Sylvia Jacquet. We see our name as an opportunity for promoting Christian values and principles. Well, they've been so diluted because Christians watch the same TV generation after generation until they're watching the same degenerative stuff as everybody else is watching. And like everyone else too, uh, they mimic what they see in their own personal lives. So that's pretty well over. Because as I say, all religion and all values had to be destroyed. Remember, Mark said it too that all existing societies and, and governments had to be utterly destroyed, including the religions. And the new rationale brought in, rationality, oh, rational. You know, the slaughtering of millions is very rational, and that's how they saw it at the time. Now, there's much more behind all of this than meets the eye, of course, as we well know, because you see sociology and the behaviorists and psychology are all into this, with various zoologists even, and uh, all the other ologists that get in on the act to see how animals behave and human animals behave too. And the kind of society they want uh, is a society where they get rid of all sexual taboos. All sexual taboos. You know, George Orwell was at a, a journalist conference and to commemorate a well-known uh, old philosopher who came up with the right of freedom of speech and for, for basically authors. And he said they couldn't believe it, that all of the authors talked about was the right to use the F word and, and to use sexuality oh, and to its grossest extreme. 
And um, he couldn't believe that that's what they were talking about. They weren't caring about them, what they were there for, this supposed socialist organization about, about, about poor folk. No, they just wanted to have, be, have the right to use all the kind of terminology that Hollywood has made very popular today. And by the way, they're bringing out new words all the time from Hollywood for the young to emulate. But um, that's part of the program of destroying it, because eventually you see they are going to go into intergenerational sex. That's the next step, they said at the last big uh, international conference in, for the censor bureaus. They said that they had won the rights for homosexuality, lesbianism, and so on, to be pushed on regular television um, and shows. So now bestiality would have to come next. And they also say in the higher levels of behaviorism, that eventually the word even heterosexual will be meaningless and even sexuality will be kind of meaningless because in a world where science, science, not feminism, uh, liberated women through the pill and abortion, uh, then uh, anything will go until eventually even deviancy will be obliterated. It will be meaningless uh, as folk are allowed to, to go further and further and further ahead as long as long as they don't produce children in the process. And Julian Huxley said the same thing, that leader of UNESCO, the first leader who also was a member of the Margaret Sanger Foundation for Planned Parenthood, which meant abortion. Anyway, here is from the New Catholic, uh, this is New Catholic Archbishop Timothy Dolan at a press conference in New York on January the 6th. It says um, he's calling for efforts to make abortions in New York City rare. Dolan gathered with other religious leaders on Thursday to draw attention to the city's high abortion rate. The city's health department last month revealed statistics that showed 39% of all pregnancies in New York City ended with induced termination, that's abortion, in 2009. It says, I reaffirm Cardinal John O'Connor's promise of a quarter century ago that every woman facing a difficult pregnancy will be provided with free confidential help of the highest quality from the Archdiocese of New York, said Archbishop Dolan. So they're going to help pregnant mothers if they want to. But the thing is, today, the female mind has changed so much, you see, that they, they, they don't really want children. In fact, a lot of them don't like children. They'd just be a hindrance to them. You know, you, you can't drag them off to their parties and stuff like that. And, well, the numbers have declined in the last decade. The religious leaders have said they're still too high. In 2009, there were 2,256,667 pregnancies in the city with 126,774 resulting in live births and 87,273 resulting in abortions. In addition to those abortion numbers, there were 11,620 spontaneous terminations. 46% of all births in the Bronx resulted in abortions, the highest amongst the five boroughs, according to the report. And you can see this, this ties in again with eugenics and getting rid of, of, of the useless eaters, as Margaret Sanger called the children, and uh, especially of the lower classes, you see. And that ties in with Charles Galton Darwin's uh, saying the same thing, basically, that uh, the lessers would outbreed the betters. It says, in response, the, the Shira Skoro Foundation, a non-profit charitable foundation, here we go, that supports alternatives to abortion, pledged that will spend one million uh, dollars in 2011 to address the city's abortion rate, nearly double the national average of 23%. It's not all of nightclubs in, in, in there, and they really go to town in New York City. 
just like it or not, the legality of abortion is a settled question in New York for the time being, said Greg Feinstein, or Funstein, Executive Director of the Chiroscuro Foundation. That doesn't mean we have to accept the fact that in parts of the city, nearly half of all pregnancies end in abortion. It's amazing, too, that the Bill Gates Foundation and Oprah Winfrey and all these characters are funding our money and getting matched with your tax dollars, too, by the way, to go over to Africa to sterilize women there and to make sure they don't have children. Dolan said the practice is unlikely to end, but that was unimportant. That was important to tell people what is happening and to help pregnant women come to terms with their choices. As I say, Christians today are, are I think if Jesus came back today, he wouldn't recognize what they even are. Really, the way they dress, they behave the same way as everyone else behaves. They all watch the same television. They all go through the same incredible system that no one can escape. Because the media is all around you, pushing, pushing. The magazines are everywhere. Even the cartoons for youngsters, and so on, and so on. You see. So, as I say, the next step, eventually, as I say, all kinds of deviancy is to disappear. And that's already coming out now where Americans and other ones are going off to Norway because you can have sex with animals there if you book in ahead in advance. You can get your favorite donkey or whatever, you know. And, uh, and, and their whole, their whole justification of this is, well, people want this. People want this, apparently. And, um, everything's normal today. So people want this. And so it's a service that's being supplied in Norway. I've read this on the air before, the actual articles. And that, um, and that, uh, eventually you can't call anything deviancy at all. It'll be a meaningless thing as we go further into cyber world. And they get completely confused between different worlds and realities, which has happened to a lot of people already, I think. I mean, they're already pretending they're cartoon figures in cyberspace. Who wants to be a cartoon, for God's sake, you know? Disturbing sex kitten French Vogue photo shoot featuring children. I'll put this link up tonight, too, and all these links up tonight. And it's from Vogue magazine. I've always said this, that the biggies are all working together to push the agenda forward. They all work together on cue. There's nothing out there. There's nothing out there that is not part of this big system and mainstream. All your mainstream media, all your magazines, all the things that influence your mind, influence your behavior, and your experts say, experts say, yada yada. This issue of French Vogue features a, f- a truly disturbing video photo shoot uh, featuring young girls around six years old in heavy made-up high-heeled and designer clothes. Some pictures actually sexualize these girls by placing them in strange settings, and then they're all in the postures, of course. Notice the presence of uh, feline prints in many photos, a reference, a reference sex kitten programming, which is also called beta programming, uh, loss of innocence, premature sexualization, awkward settings, Ritual abuse, blank stares, the pictures truly reek of mind-controlled children. Because, you see, as long as the child can consent, apparently according to the big pervs at the top, uh, then it's okay. That was said in court in Britain with a judge not too long ago, I read it again on the air, when he said that it was a victimless crime because the child, who was precocious and advanced for years, agreed to have sex. Now, what person at 10 years old knows what they're truly doing or the repercussions? repercussions down the road. Just because I've watched oozles and oozles of porno stuff on television and probably with her mummy sitting watching it along with her because everyone's been contaminated in turn. 
every generation told, well, I watched this, so this isn't bad with my daughter. You see, until you're watching the full thing, and then your little daughter uh, is trying to emulate you. You see. What do you think the Spice Girls and all that was about, too? You saw the age group they were targeting? What do you think music television's all about? I'll tell you, anyone wanting a child today and it happens to be a female, better make sure she's an awfully good dancer because that's going to be the only work she'll get in the future. I'm not kidding you. How to destroy our society. How to destroy our society. Where they'll have lots and lots of sex but never bond. Exactly what Julian Huxley said they would have to make happen. And he even went in to the fact that deviancies of all kinds would arise because there were no consequences and that laws would have to change and that uh, anything would go as long as it did not have offspring. So this is the world that's been produced. That's the world we're into now. And um, it's got further to go, obviously, but not very far at all. You will see this eventually in a barrage of things happening in the paper with elder so-and-so uh, has, is in love with 15, then 14, then 13. They've already had some in Britain, apparently. You know, This is how it's going to, to normalize it. You can normalize anything. Now, I've talked too about communitarianism. It's well underway in Britain. I know the way it's going to go and what's supposed to happen as they split up you into a little community. That's your area. I said years ago, eventually, when you have a little community project, you'll have to turn up or they'll be coming to your door to ask why not because are you antisocial? True socialism, you see. You must attend all the meetings. And... Eventually, I've said, your purpose will be to serve the world state. You'll get paid, for, you'll get your food for it, maybe a place to stay. And I'll talk about this when I come back from these, this break. Folks, we're back in the last leg of cutting through the matrix. And as I see, communitarianism and this comes from foreign relations, Royal Institute of International Affairs have said that 100 years ago they'd bring in a world where you'd serve the world state. That would be your privilege was would be to serve the world state and you get a little dole out of food according to your every person, according to their means, according to Karl Marx and so on. And this is what's coming up eventually. It says, this is from the mail, the telegraph. And again, all media is part of the big complex of government. They're the essential arms of government to make sure that the lies dreamed up in government by marketers are put out properly to the people down below. It says, happiness is having a job, and, and the salary doesn't matter. This is in a country where there, there's thousands of folk right now, right now, dying because they can't afford heat. And they're losing their homes, other people too, young folk as well. So having a job is more important to people than how much they're paid according to the first official inquiry into what makes Britons happy. Isn't that nice? We're not an altruistic bunch. They must be living in the perpetual sunshine and warmth. Probably just picking fruit off the trees or something. And it says, um, Anastasia de Waal says, unemployment was central to people's sense of identity, or employment was uh, uh, to their identity and well-being. But she says, um, 
um, the Office for National Statistics analyzed responses from more than 2,000 people to David Cameron's initiative to measure the nation's well-being. The emerging results showed that job security, personal health and relationships with family members were at the top of most people's concerns and were cited by 9 out of 10 of those responding to the ONS consultation. Other key ingredients of a happy life were parents' sense of the security of their children's future. Well, this is, this is a made-up nonsense, this one, because no one is certain of their own future, never mind their children. With couples keen that their children should have a good life and a nice place to live, the freedom of society, as all get watched for everything they do, even go to the toilet, and spiritual and religious beliefs, which of course are out the door, Mrs. Wicker. Uh, respondents were more likely to, to read having a job as important to them than being paid a high salary. Who are they kidding? Have you seen the prices of living, just living at the bottom level in Britain? And, and they just put up their value-added tax to 20%. And the guy in charge of it who put up the 20% was caught at the Savoy having a £2,000 meal right after it. Anastasia de Waal, social policy analyst at the think tank Civitas, said employment was central to them, their sense of identity and well-being. Uh, a job is about your life. It's not about your income, she said. It's about your life. Well, you have no life if you can't eat, you fool. Uh, it's about every aspect, having the motivation to get up in the morning, self-esteem and being a role model to your children. Income is almost secondary to that. If you can't feed that child, you tell me that, lady, you know. People's lives fall apart if they don't have a job. They're much more likely to be depressed if they're out of work. And there's a strong relationship between unemployment and family breakdown and health difficulties. At least she's a, you know, I'm glad she's got that straight. The Prime Minister launched the programme in November in an attempt to create a broader measure of Britain's success than the performance of the economy. So in other words, you'll be poor, but if you've got a job, you're stinking happy. Stinking happy you'll be, just over the moon, pleasant as can be. It's not just wonderful. Doesn't that make me feel better now? It tells you, you see, that you're going down the tubes. They're going to do nothing to help it better. They'll make you feel better. Maybe you have a few pills and stuff. So you get a perpetual smile as you starve to death. Because they don't plan to bail anybody out anymore. The same guys that spent all your cash on, well, themselves. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. <laughs>